You're listening to a podcast hosted on the Podcast Matrix. Get your entire podcast library hosted now at whatisthepodcastmatrix.com. When you hear the words, Friday the 13th, what do you think of? While most will recollect a certain impossible-to-be-killed masked individual bearing sharp weapons of all kinds, there's another Friday the 13th that deserves attention. In 1987, Friday the 13th, the series, created a rich tapestry of completely original storytelling. Based on a series of curious, devilishly enchanted objects that must be recovered and returned to the vault to prevent truly dark fates from befalling their owners. This is the detailed revisit and review of the adventures of their reacquisition. Episode by episode. You won't find any hockey masks here. This is the Curious Goods Podcast from Two Guys Talking Horror. The regularly occurring high school dance is always a time of stress, raging hormones, and angst. And inside the 15th episode of season one of Friday the 13th, the series, the trend continues. All because of a very special mirror inside of an even more special compact made of gold. Valuable to be sure, but also one of the cursed items being hunted for inside this series. Those who are wooed by its shining mirror are instantly in love with the person who wields it, but are now on the path to death because of their being seduced by the golden cursed relic. It's time for another episode of the Curious Goods Podcast, a retelling, a revisit, and educational detailing of each episode of Friday the 13th, the series. This time it's Season 1, Episode 15. Vanity's Mirror. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. Yeah, and I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other We've host. We've got a lot to get to, Nick, but first some housekeeping. Podcast Matrix t-shirts. They're on their way to both of us, Nick. Oh. For those that are not familiar, when you host your podcast with the Podcaster Matrix, those that host with them also get a t-shirt for their trouble. We're getting t-shirts? We're getting t-shirts from the Podcaster Matrix. We'll actually put the sample of what they look like inside the show notes for this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast. Even more incentive to have our podcast hosted through the Podcaster Matrix. Yes, we'll have a picture of it inside the show notes for this episode. Again, our thanks to those over at the Podcaster Matrix, not only for hosting our episodes, but helping us to promote them to reach more listeners. Two guys talking Star Wars, roll call. Nick, if I told you that there were nine Star Wars-based properties being launched this year, would you fall backwards? I wouldn't believe you at all. Well, guess what? There's not. There are. No, there's not. Yes, there are. I don't believe you. There are, and they're all going to be included. No, really. (laughs) They're all going to be included in an upcoming episode of Two Guys Talking Star Wars, where Police Chief Christy Giuseppe and Crisis Negotiator Pat and I will actually be talking about all of them. All nine. In prelude. Name three. What? Oh, you heard me. Name three. I'm not going to name any of them. Oh, because you have to listen to the episode. I, you do have to listen oh. to the episode. You can listen to it all right now over at twoguystalkingstarwars.com or get to the show notes for this episode over at curiousgoodspodcast.com. Click on the link and listen to all kinds of great Star Wars stuff about the Star Wars stuff that's being released this year. 
Nick, that's all we got for housekeeping. Let's get to the retelling of this episode, Season 1, Episode 15. Vanity's Mirror. A smash zoom to a boutique somewhere in Canada that looks like L.A. A gallant man walks across from a condo and purchases a flower from a very homely-looking woman selling carnations in the street. The two of them have a spat. As he rumps off and looks back at her, she blinds him with light from a mirror, a mirror inside a cursed compact, and falls instantly in love with her. So much in love that he follows her back into a back alley and is instantly struck by love in the form of a falling fire escape ladder. Well, that's no good. No, death. Death is what he (laughs) craves. And he gets it. And he gets it. The only thing better than being instantly murdered by a cursed compact is then going back to your carnation booth on the street and not paying attention and thud being instantly killed by a car. Well, this is why jaywalking is illegal, Mike. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Anyway, walking the streets of... Suburban Canada is not a great deal because... It's not safe. No. This homely lady gets struck and killed by a Crazy car. Crazy flower lady. <laughs> if you don't look at her like she's a 10, she's going to blind you with the light from her compact and then murder you. Crush your skull with a fire escape ladder. Anyway, she falls dead in front of a car. Everyone's horrified. Except for the person that isn't horrified, who is named Helen. Yes, this homely-looking teenager. Yeah, home, the homely-looking teenager, Helen, she spies the compact, the compact. that's fla- flown out of the hand of the, the homely carnation-selling lady. So already creepy because she's at a murder scene, and she's picking up stuff belonging to the, the victim, even though the... The evil, crazy, creepy flower lady deserved it. Right. The only she was evil. The only thing more creepy is that at the same time she picks it up, there's apparently someone snapping her photograph of picking it up. And well, you it know. appears later in a newspaper. Crime photos. <laughs> it's it was a thing. All right. Anyway, so fast forward a little bit, and we're on the landscape of a high school where. Homely high school Helen. Helen. Are we, are we really going to why use not? that Triple alliter- H? Alliter- alliter- alliteration? <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> Homely so, high school Helen. So Triple H and her sister Joanne are walking down the, the courtyard with Joanne's boyfriend. Joanne's Don't boyfriend. Scott. Right, Scott. And they have a big, giant, sloppy, tasty kiss of forlorn teenage love. Yes, of course. And Helen's angry because Triple H obviously wants Scott. Yeah, because she that's wants how her works. sister's boyfriend. Because that, yeah, exactly. Because that's how it works. Right. And as she's busy pining for Scott, they pass the triad of bullies. All of the course, cool kids. Yeah, the cool kids that are, of course, wailing on Helen because she's so homely looking. She's so homely. I mean, they call her Triple H after all. Right. Later on that day, Helen is out pining over the kick-ass cursed object in the courtyard. And the bullies decide to come back and have another go at Triple H. Mm-hmm. So the bullies are wailing away on Helen, who is pining over the mirror. And, of course, after coming over to get the best of her again, the red-headed Greg goes back to giggle with his buddies. And Helen shines the mirror in his face, <gasps> thereby making him smitten with her. Yeah, yeah. He is uh, whammied. Whammied, the, that's a good word. Whammied by the compact. Now, absolutely positively in love with her. Meanwhile, across town at the good old Curious Goods antique store, 
uh, we learned that our intrepid trio of heroes, Jack, Mickey, and Ryan, have to date put away 23 cursed objects. Mm -hmm. And they're on the hunt for the next one. And mm -hmm. using the scientific method, uh, <laughs> Ryan just points his finger into the ledger. And uh, it just so happens that now they're going to go after the compact. Mm -hmm. They find out about creepy flower lady's death from the newspaper. Mm -hmm. See that Helen, even though they don't know it's Helen, see Helen's photograph in that uh, newspaper and then start looking through yearbooks. Sure. Because she had a letterman's jacket on. Right, but I mean... You're not Jack Marshak. You're not exactly. Jack Marshak, man he didn't of action. Have to, he didn't have to go look for a yearbook. It was already in his library. That's right. <laughs> it, because he probably went because to that it's high a book. school. Probably went no, to that high school. And he no, gets, because it's a book. Because it's a, uh, Every book on, on earth is in Jack's... No, I'm sorry. Actually, global. so library. they have this yearbook because of the script and reasons... <laughs> Okay. And they figure out, oh, okay, so this girl's named Helen. Yes. We need to go and find her. Right. So after we find out that Triple H is the one that they're looking for, we snap back to the high school grounds where Greg and Triple H are walking around with him being led by her by the nose, all quite literally. Lovey. Yes, all lovey-dovey. Lovey-dovey. Oh, hey, look, a trash compactor. I dropped my hanky. Yeah. Could you go and get it? Oh, yes, Helen, I would love to because I love you. You better hurry up before this machine <laughs> mysteriously turns on by itself. I didn't do it. Yeah, and so he jumps into the compactor to get the hanky and loves her to death, frankly. Yep. Yep, just gets squid. He he does retrieve the hanky, just so everybody knows. Right, he is gallant to the end. Yes, and then very very thin, and tall probably, and, and thinner. Murder by compactor. Mickey chooses the time to go to select to find. While <laughs> Triple H is eating a sandwich. <laughs> Three sandwiches. Three sandwiches. Yeah. I don't think they were all for her, but maybe they were. They were, and watching television. Watching with television. Scott while and Scott Joanne. and her sister are are mourning the loss mm -hmm. of whatever Greg. his name was, Greg, Mickey chooses this opportune time to come in and, and question Helen about maybe purchasing mm -hmm. a golden antique compact. Right, and Triple H, Helen, has absolutely no interest in selling the compact or even telling her about it. Yeah, take and off, slams you the hoser. door in her face yeah. and returns to her sandwiches. We fast forward to the next day where Greg's friend Russell, you know. The one with the hair and the long green jacket. Anyway, Russell finds Helen and gives her a piece of his mind. I know then, you did something to my friend. That's right. And, and when the, I find out, you're in trouble. That's right. And then ends up being enchanted by the very same mirror that he got his friend Greg. Whammy too. He Absolutely. Whammy. Completely whammy. At the same time, and this is brilliant planning, by the way, Ryan decides to pull a 21 Jump Street... And poses as a high school student walking around carrying a backpack and actually happens upon Helen. It's amazing how ducky-like he becomes inside this episode. <laughs> he's off like a dirty shirt. It's amazing. Anyway, he's seeking out Helen. Unfortunately, he finds her. Desperately seeking Helen. <laughs> Helen lures what's-his-face with the Russell. hair. I don't care what his name is. He's about to die. His name is Next to Die. That's his name. To the place where they have all of the great machinery to cut wood. Also known as wood shop. Or shop class. <laughs> shop class. And uh, pushes him onto the uh, the blade of a uh, of a saw and uh, uh, doesn't necessarily saw him in half, but gives him a good cutting that kills him. Throws some blood on the wall that doesn't touch her at all. Pretty amazing. 
At the same time, Ryan walks in and sees the murder happen. And is horrified by the murder. Yeah, so very much so. Horrified. So much so that he forgets it. Oh, Triple H has a mirror and compact that's going to blind me with smitten, forlorn, cursed love if yes. I don't close my eyes. And he doesn't really close his eyes, though. He tries to dart back and forth. He darts back and forth. <laughs> he covers his face with his book ba- bag. It's also called a backpack. Back Book bag, backpack. It's the same thing. Shop class. In shop class. Uh, and, and I'm sorry, all he really had to do was just close his eyes, but he never does that. He, he feels that he has to scramble and scurry while... Ducking and dodging the light from the mirror, which causes him to fall over the the, yeah. the ledge yeah. of a uh, catwalk, and he falls. Uh, I'd say it's probably a good uh, fifteen feet to uh, the floor below, where uh, Helen Triple H believes Ryan is dead. We snap back to Triple H's house. An eyeliner is being smashed into her eye socket to prepare for prom slash the dance. And it's not going well. She just does not have the skill set. And her sister Joanne walks in and says, Oh, so you must be going to the dance because you look so beautiful. Joanne's the the very overly nice. Pretty sister. I guess the pretty goody-goody sister, I guess you would call her. She's not cruel. She's actually very supportive of Helen. Yes. So here comes bubbly Joanne. Oh, it's so good that you've got a date. Would you like some help with your makeup? No, I can do it. Mm. I'm Triple H. Yeah. And oh, what's this? And so she grabs the compact off of the desk. Yes. And and Triple H is horrified because, of course... She's getting the itch. Like, oh, get, yeah. give me back my compact. Yeah. Give me back my compact. I'd want to dig it. And she also doesn't want any help also. No, no, no help. And Joanne leaves giving her her compact back. So right. all we know, though, from this scene, Triple H has a date. Yeah. And he'll be here. An amazing soon. date. Ama- like so Who's going totally to love amazing. what she looks like. Yes. No problem. She looks like a hot bag of cats. <laughs> a Technicolor hot bag of cats. Yes. Anyway, fast forward a little bit more and Scott arrives. It's time to go to the dance. It is time. Awesome. And so you see a very well presented Joanne. Very, who looking gets, very beautiful. Mm-hmm, who gets the door for Scott, who is the pictorial catalog model of the 80s yep. prom shop. Look, yep. there he is right there. In fact, I'm certain he was actually inside of a, a prom catalog someplace. Probably. Anyway, you hear the trumpets and down the stairs comes someone that looked like they got hit by a box of crayons on the way to a dress factory. It is a Technicolor nightmare. <laughs> it's, it's, it's horrifying. It's as horrifying as any horror thing should be horrifying. It's this turquoise dress. <laughs> it's it's terrible. Anyway, she comes down and she thinks she's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, with she's this. a 10. She thinks she's a 10. And the only person that's going to think she's even more gorgeous is her date, right? Yep. That's right. Where's the date? Where's in, the ad? In fact, she's going to make sure that her date absolutely loves it because she whips out her compact mm-hmm. and shines it into Scott's face. Scott's been whammied. And now Scott's been whammied, who is now in love with Super Triple H and doesn't have anything to do with not-so-awesome Joanne anymore. In fact, so much so, he starts wailing on her because Triple H says to do it. Yeah, backhands her, takes her upstairs, ties her hands behind her back, mm-hmm. puts her on a stool, mm-hmm. gags her, mm-hmm. and then puts a noose made of a, it looks like a jump rope around her neck mm-hmm. to where she has to balance herself on a stool to stay alive. On her tiptoes. On the tiptoes. And she's wearing stockings. Right. That's no bueno. 
the prom is alive and horrified because they can see the prom catalog model, Scott, walking down the street with, I guess it looks like a chicken that's been splashed with seven or eight different colors of paint. I bet you thought we forgot about Jack, Ryan, and Mickey. No, we didn't. We didn't. Ryan is alive, mm-hmm. but he's being accosted by rats. Right. Biggins. Biggins. Mickey Biggins. finds Ryan in the sub-basement of the high school while Jack- After six hours. Has gone to Triple H's house to try to look for her there. Mm-hmm. Jack rescues Helen's sister from mm-hmm. from being dead. <laughs> just as she plummets off the just chair. Just as she slips off of the right. stool that was just tall enough. Yeah. And so Jack cuts her down and, and holds her carefully, very calmly for a man that's invading a house. I don't care who's invading my house. If you've just saved me from dying, <laughs> I'm going to give you a hug. <laughs> Maybe even make you a sandwich. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the prom, Ryan and Mickey burst in. Ryan covered in blood because, you know, he did fall 15 feet and cracked his head. And had been being eaten by rats eaten for six by hours. Rats, mm-hmm. uh, confront Helen... Uh, but Helen has her new super duper lover boy toy. Give him a, a cowboy punch. That's uh, great. Then the chase is on. The chase uh, is definitely the, the chase on. is on. Helen uh, takes Scott up to the uh, the roof, and they have a nice little dance on the parapet slash ledge of this very large building. Where if you were to accidentally fall, nothing good would happen. Nothing good, and that's accidentally right. Helen confesses her undying love to Scott. Not wanting to kill him, because, you know, those are the rules of the cursed object. You know, you enchant them, and they fall in love with you, and then you have to kill them. Decides, instead, the only way that she can actually have him is in death, and they both plummet to their death. Mm-hmm. They plummet. Yes. And they're dead. And stop. Street pizza. Correct. However, after becoming street pizza, and after the subsequent investigation by the local police department... Our heroes are still unable to find the mirror-laden slash gold-cursed compact. Which means, for the first time in this show's history, the item is not recovered. We wrap this retelling up with Jack and Mickey having a, well, pretty heated conversation Mm -hmm. at the antique store because they are both very frustrated at the fact that the item was not found and that it's still floating out there and more people are going to get hurt and that, in fact, everybody who has died up to now, it seems like it's all been for nothing. And Jack has to give Mickey a nice little pep talk saying that nobody ever said it was going to be easy. We've been lucky up to this point. Mm -hmm. We know that we just have to work harder. While the podcast name is Curious Goods, and there are goods inside of this episode, there's also some things that need polish. Let's start with the goods. Transported back to the 80s. We don't have to be coy here. I mean, this was filmed in the 80s, so they should be able to pull off the 80s pretty well because it was the 80s. Right. But it's, again, especially as a high schooler of the 80s myself, I graduated Mm -hmm. in 1988, this is, it is exactly as it appeared back then because it was back then. It is an incredible hallmark. And after having just recently celebrated my 30th anniversary high school reunion, it's amazing because you are snapped back in time. It's a time machine. 
It's now, it's why I podcast, frankly. Right. Well, yeah. For me, for me, of course, I I did not go to high school in the eighties. Mm-hmm. I went to high school in the nineties, but I did watch a lot of eighties movies, mm-hmm. and this felt to me like the writers were like, "Hey, let's do a John Hughes film with murder in it," and that's, and that's exactly what this felt like. Yeah, and and, and they pulled yeah. it off. Yeah. No, that's that's very well said. Yeah. In fact, it's 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 sixteen candles with horrifying font. That's yeah. what this that's what this episode <laughs> 16 is. Sixteen candles. Yes, that's exactly yeah. what this is. And I, again, incredibly apt, incredibly appropriate. Lots of the showcase of what you see here from every everyone's hair to the outfits to the attitudes that you see to. The being horrified by insert name of person who is, how on earth did that pairing happen? It's right. all here. It's all here and showcased wonderfully. Making a viable underage villain. We haven't had a lot of these Mm-mm. in the show. No. Uh, we go back to our first episode, The Inheritance, episode one, where we have the uh, the little girl with the uh, the evil China doll. Mm-hmm. Now, we can write off her being a spoiled brat and then being influenced by an evil object makes an interesting, compelling villain, but she's not necessarily malicious Mm -hmm. until you find out, oh, well, no, she actually is kind of, she's kind of hardcore. Here again, we have this high school student, this teenager in the throes of puberty and everything, Mm -hmm. uh, somebody who is constantly bullied, somebody who has no Mm self-worth. This is a, a, a villain of instinct. She she realizes that she has this ability now because of this compact to get two things that she wants. The adoration of the people that hurt her mm-hmm. and then their subsequent death. Yeah. It's one of those it's it's a it's a very dark subject matter too, because this episode, the the themes that were thrown in this episode, even even though by cheesy eighty standards still live up today. Bullying oh, yeah. is is a horrible thing that is yeah. still going on through both middle school, elementary schools, and high schools. It's mm-hmm. going on everywhere. Mm-hmm. And even though, like I said, it, it's, it's the 80s, it's Friday the 13th, it's a little cheesy, the themes, the underlying themes that are in this episode are still incredibly impactful. Oh, yeah. yeah and presented wonderfully, too. Yeah. The, the fact of the matter is that if you could pull aside any, and I will wail on the teenage girls because I have one, frankly. Mm-hmm. If you could pull aside the teenage girls and ask them without any consequence and just telling us what they're thinking. If you could go, hey, you know that, that boy that you like but is instead dating someone else because you think that the person they're dating is more pretty than you are? If you could have the person that they're dating who you think is prettier than you die so that they could date you, would you do it? Are you kidding me? Every single one of them would say yes. That that is showcased here is incredibly ballsy. And the actress that plays Triple H, Helen inside of this, Ingrid Venninger, uh, total kudos to her because she plays this role to the hilt. Oh, yeah. And and there there are a couple of those little, their little wafts of smile... But it's not smile because on the end of the smile is a dagger. Yeah. And she showcases it wonderfully in here without there being any cheese attached to it. Mm. It's it's wonderfully provided. It's incredibly the, – the word that you've used that I think is probably the biggest indicator here. There is an instinct that is showcased with her portrayal of this character. And having seen – I won't say that my – 
15-year-old daughter has murderous rage or intent in her body. <laughs> but I have seen where there is incredible disgust and distaste for something that she feels very strongly against and will tell you outright. Mm-hmm. And that is absolutely captured here without question by her. So kudos to her completely. Not only that, but we also get Zach Ward mm. as mm. one of the bullies. Yeah. Slash uh, uh, whammy to bows slashed killed suitors in this episode mm-hmm. zach ward uh mostly known for his portrayal in uh the a christmas story as uh as uh, he's the bully he's, he's the bully he's the, beats... he is the bully so it's it he's he's <laughs> it's a nice tradition of of playing a bully yeah. uh also horror fans will know him he was in uh the second resident evil movie resident evil apocalypse and also in uh freddie versus jason a uh, very talented actor and to see him again so young and playing such a despicable character because a bully in acting, you can play the, you can just say the words, oh, oh you're stupid, ugly doo doo head. Or you can really cut somebody. Yeah. And, 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 and you, that's this, very well said. This, you, you feel the cuts. Yeah. The, that's very well said. The sample I think of is probably our second meeting with between the bully crew that we'll call those three people mm-hmm. and Helen, where she's sitting down looking at the compact on the grass and, then Greg, the guy that we're talking right. about, a- approaches her and says, you know, I, I really would like to go out with you. Do you want to go to the prom? Then realizing that as he walks back to his friends, that it is all just a joke. It's, yeah. It is that just stabbing to stab, stabby stab. Mm-hmm. And it is all presented incredibly perfectly inside of this episode. The other thing to note here is that while we're used to seeing Zach Ward with his wrinkled up nose, ha ha ha, we're used to seeing him like that. I know I am. Yeah. But what you get to see here is him just looking forlorn at this young lady as he's in love. It's a very different look for him. Yeah. Inside of this, especially because now in, inside of this, I'm assuming he's probably almost 20 inside of this oh, as yeah, they by, as they by, film by this. Then, yeah. And I mean, he he looks completely different when he's not sneering. And cackling and pointing at people, he looks like a completely yeah. different person inside of this. And it shows his acting chops because he gets to play both characters without the, question. The bully, yeah. and the the puppy, the puppy love boy, yeah. So it, it's really well done, and again, a great showcase of underage villains. Mm. This shit is dark. Something that I continue to love this series for, without question, is. You and I can banter back and forth and even cackle inside of some of our retelling of the episodes. But the bottom line of what we're being presented here is that the context and the background management of the facts that are being presented inside the episode, they're all incredibly dark. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, The a vengeful teenager, in particular a female vengeful teenager is nothing to be trifled with, especially in the realm of horror. Right. Hell hath no fury. Hell hath no fury. Carrie. Oh. Uh, there's got to be a, a giant laundry list of movies that are a teenage girl that has been wronged and there shall be revenge exacted. Yep. And it's never a good thing. It, it, it is one of the pinnacle, the pinnacle billboards of what happens inside of horror films. Mm-hmm. And we get that presented here along with a great number of other things. For those that have forgotten already since our retelling, we're talking about killing your sister. Yeah. We're talking about the murder of young men inside of a high school, outside of a high school. We're talking about someone that is in love with somebody grabbing them and leaping off of a building. 
in front of a bunch of other kids. Yeah. When you think that this show is just camp and that it it it's trying to present things in some sort of har har light, this is the stuff that made me revere this show back then, but mm-hmm. even doubly so now. Yeah. Because when you think Friday the 13th, you think, oh, haha, bloody Freddy uh, tongue coming through the phone. That's definitely camp. Oh, that's not what we're getting here. We're not getting any of that here. There is no camp inside of this episode that is showcased, in particular with the teenage female villain inside of this. There, There is never an instance where this villainess is shown as being campy, ever. No. And I totally applaud the creators for that because it could it would have been so easy to have her look at the camera and go i'm gonna get you and they didn't do that they did not do that they just showcased the action and and they absolutely plant the concepts of that she will get what she wants period paragraph that's it it's over Um, something that you brought up too when you went to the instinct comment was it's absolutely impulsive there is no forethought at all going on there's inside no of her brain. Plan. Yeah, there's there, no master plan. There, there's it's no all master instinct. plan. It, it's, it's also there's no consequences. The sample is she knows that she's going to the top of a building. She knows that there's going to be no way out, but she never would have thought of that. Mm. Not not in a million years. And that we get the end of the episode that is so incredibly dark is yeah. a wonderful period on the end of the sentence of this episode. That's what we thought was good inside of this episode, but we're curious what you thought was good inside this episode, Season 1, Episode 15, Vanity's Mirror. Let us know what you think by going to our website over at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Click anywhere on the right-hand side of the page, fill out the contact form, and let us know what you thought. Just like every episode of Curious Goods has goods, it also has some areas in which it needs a little bit of polish. Let's look at those now. Having to take the storyline provided ride. There are a handful of moments in this episode where kind of you you kind of just have to go with it to understand where the narrative wants to take you. Yeah, the brain disconnecty moments. Right. One of the big ones right off the bat is Jack, Mickey, and Ryan are trying to figure out who this teenage girl who they see in the newspaper has picked up the compact. And then all of a sudden they're just looking at High school yearbooks. Yeah. Well, I'll go back even further than that, and it's the photograph you're referring to. Well, there have been instances without question. In fact, one of the biggest one is the JFK assassination, mm. where there was a movie camera going on, or a series of movie cameras capturing when it happened. Right. Absolutely true. And there could be someone on the street with a camera ready to capture a picture of Helen stooping over to pick up the compact, not so far away from a dead body the instant that it happens. Okay. All of that is absolutely possible, but the hoops you have to jump through in regard to believability <laughs> that I just spouted off, that's a stretch. That's where you're taking the storyline provided ride, and uh, I don't particularly care for I see, it. Now, for me, I, that, it, it went by so quickly, wasn't really a problem. For me, it was the yearbooks. It just doesn't, I, I mean, I understand, okay, big letter, so you could figure out, okay, so whatever high school she's at starts with an L. But even in a, a major metropolitan area, wherever the story takes place, mm-hmm. how many high schools are going to start with an L? 
So then you got to narrow that down. Then you got to go to each of those schools and get yearbooks and hope that you come across. Right. That's that's a huge leap. It is a leap, but I can get behind that one faster than I can random photograph. No. Okay. Because Jack's library selection ability (laughs) is infinite. And I mean, we've showcased that how many times? Uh, if, If not every episode, it's been inferred every episode. I am a champion of Jack Marshall. Me too. But even I can't believe that he's going to have some random current high school yearbooks that he can just pop into his yearbook section of his library and go like, hey, look, founder, I'm Jack Marshak. I found her. Oh, right. But not only are you looking for someone reasonably homely looking, you're looking for someone with this gargantuan cold sore on her face. Which evidently <laughs> is always there because who knows how long ago picture day was. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. But he's able but to we, find her. We digress. Uh, now, a couple of other things. Uh, well, another big thing for me, which made me guffaw mm-hmm. during our watch of the episode, mm-hmm. is Ryan's perfect plan to insert himself into the high school as a student to try and track down Helen. Yeah. And and all he's really doing is he's got his headphones from his Walkman around his neck, and he's got a a backpack. Mm -hmm. And evidently that's all you have to do to insert yourself into a high school in the 80s because of 21 Jump Street. Yeah. I I have finally gotten over the physiologically seen edge of... I can't believe I'm looking at a 12-year-old slash 18-year-old. Right. You know, like, I can remember vividly when I couldn't discern the difference between what looks like a 30-year-old Johnny Depp mm. and what's supposed to be a 13-year-old freshman in high school. I can now do that. Right, yeah. But I, I, I can't tell you when exactly I could then do that. <laughs> <laughs> and so inside of this, it's, it's where my guess is that the vast majority of the actors that we saw inside of this episode... They were all too old, too. And, you know. <laughs> My biggest problem, the thing is, is that I would have believed it had there been a short little scene where our our heroes are trying to figure out, okay, how are we going to find this girl? How are we going to track her down? I'll put on some headphones. And it, no, and, Well, no, it's like, well, and Jack goes, well, maybe if one of us can infiltrate the high school. And then Mickey looks at Jack, Jack looks at Mickey, and then they both look at Ryan. And he, what, 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 are, Seriously? And then boom, he's put in the situation. Yeah. No, and then that, that, that would have that, that would have been that would have been an excellent peddling of this of yeah. the of the merchandise, as well as some great storytelling. By the way, yes, Th- those you. again, you that and was I my rewind and rewrite. Yeah, you, you, the the bottom line about everything that we can see, and it's not just this show, it's it's anything where right. those tiny little bit, those tiny little insertion points. They all can just make for this wonderful butter on a sandwich. Well, you and I have said it countless times in, in across all of the podcasts Everything. we've ever done. Is, is Literally, it, it, it takes just one line of dialogue mm-hmm. to explain something away, and you're done. Mm-hmm. You've, you've done it. You have solved the problem. Mm-hmm. You've solved the logic jump. One line of dialogue. Yeah. yeah. And it, it really is one of the, the very hard pieces of having to take the storyline-provided ride. The three-part tension builder. One, two, three. Three parts. Ah, ah, ah. We've talked about the tension building where the storyline is concerned. Yeah, the ratcheting process. Yeah, and and sometimes it's really great. Yeah. And then sometimes it's kind of like just padding for time. 
to it make looks sure like, that we it looks can like have a series a of stair steps. Yes, right. It looks like a series of stair steps that have to be climbed to get to someplace. Yeah, exactly. It's like the level in a video game that is a really crappy video game level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with now, that. Now, and most times when it works, the tension building is great because you know you're cutting back between two characters and you're cutting back to the killer and they're all getting closer to each other mm-hmm. and it's building the tension yeah. to what's going to happen. Yeah. This time, it it. It, I, I could see what they wanted to do, but it really wasn't working all that well. You kept on going back to Ryan laying on the ground in his own blood. We know he's alive, but now he's being accosted by rats. Then we cut back to the dangling sister. Is she going to survive? Who's going to save her? And then we cut back to the prom and, oh, look, I have a pretty boyfriend. Triple H, and, and, horrifying the, exactly. the rabble that have come to the dance. And you're right. wondering when all of this stuff is going to go together. Mm-hmm. And, and it's supposed to be a tension builder, but it really kind of falls flat for me because as soon as you see Jack open a door, there's some random door. It's like, oh, okay, so he's going to be the one that's randomly break into Triple H's house and stumble upon the imperil sister. Okay, so we know she's going to be fine. Jack's going to save her. And then Mickey's still at the high school. So we know eventually, even though she's taking her sweet damn time, Mickey is going to find Ryan and shoo those pesky rats away. Mm -hmm. And we know eventually those two are going to end up confronting Triple H and Scott because, well, they're the only people, they're the only characters that are still at the high school at this time. There's no real tension ramp- ramping at all. It's kind of more of a, 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 a an incline that kind of levels out there towards the end back into the regular storytelling. And I don't want to say that it, it took me out of the episode, but it definitely could have been executed a hell of a lot better. I, I think a lot of this stuff you put into the concept of pace. Mm. Because just as you ebb to towards the end of your conversation here, it's the speed with which all this is presented. Right. If you can get to and showcase what needs to be shown and then move on, the faster you can press through that while conveying the same thought, but pushing fast enough so that you don't have the you don't you don't allow yourself to have the moment where your brain will allow there to be a speed bump. Mm. That's what's missing, and it, 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 you're absolutely right on what you're saying here. There is the bumps. There's a series of bumps because it's not – it's presented. It's all presented appropriately. It's just not presented fast enough yeah. so as to preserve the not a speed bump. Yeah, it's not the pacing of the entire episode. It's just the pacing yeah. of Dur- this part That tension-building yeah. part, yeah. I agree. The final dance. I find this incredibly worthwhile. Yes, because but, but I mean this is this is the dark this is yeah. the darkest part of the of course it's the ending it's the darkest yeah. part of the episode. Yeah. So you're wondering why this is in the need polish section. Well, sadly, when they were trying to think of well where is this high school located uh, spatially in this city, the production crew decided to throw up this really cheesy-looking backdrop of uh, just a generic city in the background when anytime you have the full shot of the high school and you've got all the crowd shots going around, you can clearly see that there is no city like big, sprawling metropolis miles away from this high school. So while this very touching uh, pouring of uh, Helen's heart out to scott even though he's under the whammy 
even though we have this this really compelling moment that's going to lead to utter tragedy, I keep constantly getting taken out of it right. because of that really bad backdrop. Yeah. Yeah, the selection process for what they chose to use in the background here was just not good. Yeah. And the I guess the luxury is that they just didn't show it that much. They showed the they showed the front end of the two of them on top of the clock tower building. Yeah. They showed the pan of the horrified teenagers watching below, and I, I almost wish that we could have put the final dance both in the good and the bad because yeah. the, this final tragic end inside of this episode is terribly tragic. It mm-hmm. really does leach itself back into when we were talking about how things were so dark inside of this it doesn't get any darker than not only can helen not take the pain of now now she's going to have to kill this guy mm. but she can't deal with the pain of being who she is and throws herself off as well this would be an episode that would hit incredibly appropriately nowadays mm-hmm. if this were re-released somehow or redone inside of the series faithfully yeah it would definitely hit now because suicide is such a big thing inside of especially in front of others slash public slash i'm going to make sure everybody sees what i'm doing school shootings are a perfect sample right a, no yeah this, um, this is this is a the darkness of this episode is right there up with a student who has been pushed beyond the breaking point by yeah. all the bullies either taking other people's lives or their their own and yeah. this happens to be both yeah. in and, this episode and having a very public showcase for yeah. all of it uh and then that's I, I think that's also a piece of why i think this episode is so endearing and mm. that not only does it transcend the 80s it instantly does if if you were to take those kids out of 80s wear inside of the prom and put them into the aughts wear or whatever the hell right. we're calling it now this is a it, timeless it, episode absolutely. just because it happened to be absolutely. filmed during the 80s. Yeah. The story subject is timeless. And I think that's one of the special things about this entire series. The way that they're able to do that is because they're casting the curse onto the item that mm. just so happens to be in a time. It's why if there was a series ever to be re-revisited, to be reissued with a better name so that it's not stupid yeah. like this one, this would be the series. This the, the, the dark compendium of stories, you know, whatever it's going to be called, is exactly what all of this could be. And it's, you know, the, count me how many antiques you can find in any antique store anywhere. I, and I that's how many yeah. episodes that there, you yeah, could have yeah. of this. It, it's never ending. Those are the things that we thought needed polish, but yeah, we want to yeah. know what you thought needed a little bit of polishing in this episode of Friday the 13th, the series Season 1, Episode 15, Vanity's Mirror. Reach out to us at our website over at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Click the link on the right, fill out the contact form, and let us know what you thought needed some polish. we got to take a break here during the Curious Goods Podcast. We will be right back. Make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. Editing podcasts can be, ugh, rough. Everyone knows that you'll spend at least double the time you use creating the podcast when editing it. Then there's the control freak factor and the gotta get it right the first time. Well, it's time to shove all that out the door and make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. The Editor Core is a talented, experienced team of podcast editors that have edited tens of thousands of hours of podcast content, and they're ready for yours now. 
Check out EditorCore.com because it's time to make your podcast soar. EditorCore.com. That's EditorCore.com. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can. With perpetual advertising, here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even if your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment, real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From the voice box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. Everyone, welcome back to the Curious Goods Podcast. A retelling, a revisit, and complete educational detailing of every episode of Friday the 13th, the series. This time, it's Season 1, Episode 15, Vanity's Mirror. Every time we come back from break, it's time for Nick and I to detail our manifest moments. The manifest moments are where Nick and I find an actor's portrayal, a storyline detail, or something else inside the episode that tripped our collective review night fantastic. Nick, what do you got? The thing that I found noteworthy to put into my manifest moment for this episode's got to be the progression of our three main characters' storyline. Mm-hmm. Early in the episode, after the uh, the creepy flower lady kills businessman and then gets herself hit by a car, mm-hmm. we find out that, to date, our trio has recovered 23 cursed items, and that only really adds up to about just under 10% of the actual inventory they have to track down. This, to me, adds to not only personal character development, but the group uh, character development mm-hmm. as well. And it's something that I that I, I said, I remember talking about this early on in the se- series, is that if we don't keep building these three characters, because the, the, besides the cursed objects, these are our three ties. This is an anthology show that actually has three main characters. So if we don't keep building these characters up and developing their character, then who's going to care come season three? You know? This is a point in which you you realize that even though we're on episode 15 of the show, they've recovered 23 things. Okay, so there's some stuff that was probably not noteworthy. There are probably some acquisitions of cursed objects that went really easy. They walk up to the door, say, hey, uh, yeah, we sold you something. Can we buy it back? Oh, yeah, sure. It's in the garage. Hand them the money. They get the object and boom, they're back. They're back in the vault by, you know, supper time. That's a boring episode. Nobody wants to see that. So I'm okay with not seeing those episodes. But to be reminded 
that there are things going on in between episodes where these three characters search and hunt for the items are going on. I like that. That keeps that that reminds me that oh wow. Yeah, there's shit going on in between the episodes and you got to remember that especially when you have characters that are going to progress throughout this show's run. I'm totally fine with that. In fact, the, there was uh, it wasn't I think maybe a couple of episodes where the original recovery of the item actually was easy. But then it was stormed again, remember? Right, yes. Okay. Yes, it was okay. the, the Lantern episode. Yeah, the Lantern episode. Anyway, so I, I get it. It would be fun, and that would be, an I think, an excellent new writing trope to do that, where the series of things that are recovered during one episode across 43 minutes, they are reasonably banal. <laughs> mm-hmm. they, they, nothing, you know, they're all, the, the stories are completely benign to anything else, but they showcase some of the, the blasé of literally going, uh, it shows here that uh, Benjamin Hattenfrost purchased Blah. Oh, he lives down the street. Why don't we go after lunch? Why don't we go over there and see if he's got it? The panda knock, knock, knocking knock. on the door. Mister Hattenfrost. Oh, I see. You're what? You're his. You're his wife. Oh, oh. I'm so sorry that he died. He purchased a Blah from. Oh, sure. Let me go get it. And she hobbles off to go and grab whatever and says, oh, I don't need any money for that. It reminds me of him anyway. And they hand it to her and the door closes and done. Again, it would allow you to have the story development where you could focus on the the developmental stories of the three that you're referring to. Mm -hmm. Then... Only the items. And it's something else I was ready to jump all over you about, and I'm so glad we don't need to. <laughs> but the, the sample is, I think our supposition was that there were 72 episodes in general of this show, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. O- over I, three seasons, yep. I would provide you with the supposition that there are 72 characters inside this series, and that there are three main characters that are flittering around these 72 characters that we get to watch and see what happens. Mm. That's what I find endearing about this series, is that... If you look at just this last episode, what did we spend the most time developing inside of the episode? Our villain. Right. Yeah. And the villain was created because? Of the cursed object. Right. And I think that because they, it's not every episode, but because they take that as what is, a, I think, probably a guiding principle mm-hmm. inside of the creation process for the storytelling, I find that incredibly endearing. I think that's a great manifest moment. My manifest moment for this episode has got to be... The bad girl getting what she wants. Of the things I think of when I think horror films and what I enjoy the most of them, it's being able to see the bad guys get something that they want. And very often there is a crescendo at the end where there are terrible consequences for getting what you want. Mm -hmm. I think one that comes to mind almost instantly because I just went and listened to it again is Christine, where... He wants what he wants and he gets what he wants and is able to do what he wants because Christine obliges him. But then at the end, it all goes downhill very, very quickly. Right. And I, I enjoy seeing that because it is, you know, it's, it's where if you've ever had a bad thought in your head and you go, why can't I have insert whatever you want to have that's bad in your head? Well, when you get to the end of the episode, you kind of figure out why you don't want that. Mm, yeah. And so it becomes... Not only the sample of being able to see what happens if the bad guys, quote, win, but then all the, also the consequences of if the bad guys win. Well, where villains are concerned, usually, and most people will say the most interesting ones are the ones that you can feel sympathy for. Apathy, right, yeah. And 
where Helen is concerned at the beginning, you do kind of feel bad for because she is bullied. But unlike other people who become very introverted, she has taken all that ugliness that is thrown to her and just projects it right back. Yeah. And not just at the people who deserve it. She also kind of treats her sister, who is nothing but supportive for her, kind of like a heel. Yeah. So and it's all it's solely because she wants Scott. Period. Exactly. It has right. nothing else to do with anything else. You have something that I want. I can't get it right now. I'm going to find a way. Oh look, I do. Oh shiny, shiny, whammy, put. One of the reasons why Helen is compelling in this episode, not even the fact that she's a teenager, but the fact that the thing that makes her compelling is that she's not the stereotypical bullied person who's very introverted and then just has that explosion of anger, very similar to Carrie. Yeah. It's. Even though it's not methodical, it's okay. I now have this ability. All right. Well, I'm going to have fun. Oh well, well, that's boring. How many? Oh, that's boring. Maybe. Oh, hey, maybe I'll that. kill it's, him. It's, it's I'm going to get what I want. Period. And, I, and I she want. Uses... I want love and adoration. And oh, I want this guy away from me because he was a jerk. He was really hurt me. So I'm going to kill him. Yeah. So yeah, she gets she gets what she wants in both ways, and then continues on until she gets ultimate ultimately what she really wanted, and then. Because she doesn't want to let it go, damn the consequences of being a murderer, or I'm sorry, a murderess, I'm going to kill us, mm-hmm. and just end it. Boom. Well, and I can't live without you. That's that's what I take I from you. I can't live without you, and I won't live without mm-hmm. you. Yeah, it's, again, it, it, makes, yeah. it makes where the story is compelling, even though the, the subject matter of the story is incredibly dark. Yeah. It's incredibly negative, but it becomes compelling. Uh, again, I, I thought that I thought that it was wonderfully written, and that's my manifest moment inside this episode. That's where we ask you guys, what was your manifest moment inside this episode? Let us know what you think by going over to our website. That's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Click anywhere on the right-hand side of the page. Fill out the quick web form and tell us, what was your manifest moment? We love vocabulary here at the Curious Goods Podcast, and inside of this episode, there are a couple to put inside of the spotlight. Compact. Thanks to our friends at visualthesaurus.com. Ironically, the first noun that comes up for the word compact is a small cosmetics case with a mirror to be carried in a woman's purse. Yep, see? How about that? There you go. How about that? That's very cool. Uh, of course, there are other meanings for it. A signed written agreement between two or more parties or nations to perform some action. That's very interesting. In regard to adjectives, you've got closely and firmly united or packed together, compact, yeah, yeah. which we get in the case of... Poor uh, Zach Ward being poor uh, Zach Ward being smashed to death. to death in that uh, trash compactor. <laughs> well, well, located it behind a school <laughs> we'll have to definitely get try and get him on because i think that that would be a wonderful i'm certain that he's got a story about that that he's told in the past that would be great uh, continuing on for adjectives we've got having a short and solid form or stature so a compact being or yeah. a compact fighter i've written about that many times inside of uh, fight magazine writing briefly giving the gist of that's very interesting i don't huh. know that i've heard that one I guess that's more of like a compact way of telling a story. Mm, to briefly, compact it together. Br- briefly given the gist. Just, yeah. just the facts, ma'am. Mm, that's, that's cool. Yeah. In regard to verbs, we've got have the property of being packable or of compacting easily. Hmm. Not unlike Zach. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> the next one we've got inside of verbs is 
compress into a wad again. Not unlike Zach or, inside or of Zach this episode. Ward in this episode, yes. <laughs> and then the last one we've got is make more compact by or as if by pressing. Again. Yes. Like Mr. This Zach. This episode, instead of calling Vanity's Mirror, <laughs> it should have been called My Love is Compact for You, Zach Ward. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great one. And then our second word. Angst. I'm trying to remember the first time I heard and then understood the word angst. Yeah. And I don't think it was until well into my late 20s mm-hmm. that I I knew and heard the word and then had a context for it. For me, uh, definitely late 90s, it was being tossed around. You know, you had a lot of talk shows that were dealing with mm. teenagers and how they were rebelling and how this generation was just, you know, wild and crazy and totally filled with teen angst. Yeah, and so you get a context of what it means there. But again, thanks to our friends at visualthesaurus.com, angst is provided as a noun as an acute but unspecific feeling of anxiety, usually reserved for philosophical anxiety about the world or personal freedom. So Hmm. uh, again, a, a very interesting context and definition for a word that we use here inside of this episode of the Curious Kids podcast. That's where we ask you guys, did you find a different vocabulary word inside this episode that we need to focus on or learn more about? Let us know what you think by going over to our website. That's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Click anywhere on the right-hand side of the page, fill out the quick web form, and tell us what you think. Ah, the rating for this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast. The scale works thusly. Ten is on top of the heap. In this case, a beautiful reflection shown to the one that will soon love you. A one is on the bottom. A squished Zach Ward. Everything starts at a seven as an average. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick... There are no halvesies. Nick, what do you got? This was an episode that definitely took me by surprise. This is one that I do not remember watching. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, when it first aired. Yeah. So it was it was, it was pleasant, a, a nice little pleasant surprise. On top of that, you've got some heavy subject matter. Mm-hmm. You've got a you've got themes that are timeless, despite the fact that this was told and filmed in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Sure, there are some dings. We always talk about the dings. But another great building block for this show is the is that we finally come to a, a moment where w- our heroes don't win. They don't recover the object. Mm-hmm. It's still out there. Mm-hmm. And And again, even though that there were some problems that we had navigating the story because of, you know, script and time and pacing... I have to I have to give this episode a solid eight. I'm kind of surprised that you went that low for this episode. I, really? Yeah. I, I look at this episode and I think it's there's either other episodes of something that I have seen inside of Television Dome or maybe the uh, streaming online series that are inside of the same style anthology, dark, yeah. blah, whatever. Uh, a number of them. Do you know the names of them off the top of your head? Uh, well, like right now there's like uh, Black Channel Mirror. Zero, Black Mirror. Yeah. Uh, uh, Hulu has a has uh, one. I I can't remember. The yeah. Name of well, that one. And the bottom line is that there's going to be those forever because the, the Twilight Zone is being remade. 
Oh, is it? Again, yes. Uh, okay. Jordan Peele, who just won the Academy Award for writing for his film uh, Get Out, is rebooting that franchise. So we will be getting new Twilight Zone episodes. Bottom line is that if we take all of the subject matter, if we take all of the themes, if we take every single one of the scenes inside of this and we translate it to something that can be put in front of a camera today, it's still incredibly poignant. It Mm -hmm. has meaning. There's absolute context between what was made back then, 30 plus years ago, and what could happen tomorrow. And that's what I call effective television writing. Regardless of the ding slash needs polish points inside of this one, this started as a seven, as an average, without question. Mm -hmm. The bumps that we talked about in regard to the speed bumps for the episode impacted nothing. Ah. This episode for me is a nine. That's where we ask you guys, what did you rate this episode? Season one, episode 15 vanity's mirror let us know what you think by going over to our website that's curiousgoodspodcast.com click anywhere on the right hand side of the page fill out the quick web form and tell us what you rate this episode look you guys don't have to look into a mirror to know how beautiful we think you are (laughs) wow laying it on thick yeah we love you as listeners and know that you'll be back for the next episode of the curious goods podcast Until then, I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast. We are always interested in learning what you remember about these enchanted items and their tales of reacquisition. Connect with us immediately at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com to share your treasured information. Until the next artifact reveals itself, the vault is now closed. Need more for football. More for football. Right. Season finale of football. Season finale of football. I wonder if there'll be a, a, a cliffhanger. Super spoilers. <laughs> Freddy, Freddy, Freddy. The other redhead. <laughs> the other played by Moby. <laughs> played by Moby. It's Roby, dumbass. I know it's Roby. You're the one who oh, kept on calling okay. her Moby the last two episodes. <laughs> hey, at least you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.